So we're seeing companies that are downsizing space right now. Um, they're subleasing. They're kind of getting rid of space. I would live, love to see companies say, we're going to change the paradigm here. We're, we're going to get rid of the Q farm. We're going to make our location a makerspace. It's a place for mm-hmm. creativity and collaboration. And we're going to give you the tools and the environment to get that done. Imagine how amazing that would be. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Um, it's one of those days where my calendar is not making me feel warm and fuzzy. Why is that? Just a bunch of back just, back stuff. Yeah. Lots of, lots of stuff. And, and part of it's on me because I had, I had a bit more open calendar on Monday and Tuesday and I have a list of things that I wanted to get done and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll get it done the next day. And now it's the next day and I didn't get it done. And it's like, well, there's no way I can get it done today. <laughs> so <laughs> nah, I probably should have just got it done. I, I think it's, it's more about like just looking at the number of meetings on my calendar and knowing that I needed to get stuff done. And so mm-hmm. it's not that the meetings aren't important and the time blocks and that that's overly stressful. It's just, if I would have just got my work done when I had the time, then I, I think it would have been fine. But the fact that I kind of, you know, procrastinated on it a bit and now I'm like, well, crap, now I can't get it done today either. So mm-hmm. no, I get it. Anyway, that is that. How are things with you? Oh, things are good. Things are good. We're, you know, I think maybe I mentioned when we recorded last week, we're getting ready for the kiddo's second birthday. He's two already. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I know it is. It's, it's flying by. Because when I think of that, that means I haven't seen everybody in person for three years now. It's, it's like everybody a, on the team. Yeah, it's been a minute, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I spent time with folks at Summit three years ago, and then I had planned to go two years ago. And mm-hmm. my wife, it was a planned C-section. So yeah. it, like the C-section was two weeks before her actual due date, and then summit was two weeks before that um i mean maybe uh, maybe a week before the the c-section and like everything was going swimmingly my wife was cool with me going away for the week um but then right before like maybe a week before summit we we went to one of the doctor's appointments and she and i were starting to get a little nervous and the doctor's like listen if you're not there to close a multi-million dollar deal if you're not there (laughs) i mean i wish yeah, but like, yo, know, if if you if you don't have plans to do that level of stuff, um, I'd recommend you stay home just in case. Um, and and I said, just knowing my luck, if I did go, she would have gone three weeks early. Yeah, you know, it would have been a rush to the hospital, and you know, it's not like I was up in New York or Boston where I could be home very very quickly. Um, so it, you know, we made the decision to to bail on it. And, uh, I, I stayed home and then, you know, then last year happened. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's well, been that last year and then this year, right? Like yeah, we, our, our normal meetup at Adobe summit, it's two years in a row. It's not going to happen. So yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. So hopefully soon, hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, it's not Adobe summit next year. I'm hoping we have an opportunity somewhere sometime this year to, to meet up as a team. Cause it's been, uh, it's been too long. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm hoping sometime this summer we can do that. And I'm realizing looking at, um, this feed, uh, so we use Streamyard to, uh, record and have our feed here. And I'm, I'm thinking I need StreamYard to just follow me around all the time because my hair does not look this amazing in real life. I don't know what's <laughs> happening with the camera here. <laughs> nice. it, looks good. it looks good on the camera. It's one of these skinny mirrors. It's a skinny <laughs> mirror. That's a, Seinfeld, that's a Seinfeld reference. Yes. Skinny mirrors. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, good stuff. Um, 
Yeah, fair, fairly hopeful about things. Uh, I don't know how things are out in in PA, but um, you know we're getting good uh, vaccination rates here in Utah. And in fact, today um, is the first day. There's no more. Um, there's no more. Uh, what's the word? Um, like groupings. Yeah, yeah. There's no more. Like if any, anyone over sixteen is now eligible. So there's no more. Okay. Pre- there's no more requirements. Um, mm-hmm. For, for getting in. So, um, you know, I'm hopeful for, for that, you know, working, working with our clients and having uh, kind of our canaries in the coal mine are our hospitality clients, travel and tourism. They seem to be the first one that were hit. Um, so we're kind of looking at them as far as what is happening. And I think we're seeing some positive, some positive vibes coming out of travel and tourism. Um, air, airlines starting to pick up a bit, travel starting to pick up a, a little bit. Um, and it's still a little bit early. Um, but I think they're they're starting to notice um, an end in sight. Um, and from a consumer side, man, we're seeing consumers just itching to spend. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like people are just wanting to spend. And so, you know, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that um, a more full scale recovery is is uh, is in our near future. And for nothing else, from a personal level, ready to get out and explore and travel a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of need some of that. Yeah. Um, one of the things they've been talking about is, is vacation rentals, um, at the Jersey shore. Like there are, there are none to be found right now. Mm. Um, because people are itching, maybe they're not ready to fly somewhere, go somewhere far, but they're itching to get out of the house. Um, so that they're banking on the summer, um, everything being close to normal and being able to do that. So it, uh, yeah, that, that's why I understand like, and, and right now, like last year was an anomaly for summer rentals because a lot of people bailed on it. And yeah. then this year is also an anomaly because there's a much higher than normal demand. Yeah, I, I can see that. So I, and, and I think we'll have to deal with some of those, those things and kind of seeing where things, um, kind of level out, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling good and optimistic. So good. That's, that's good. Yeah. So, and that, that kind of gives me a, a, a segue. I gave you a segue. You, you did. Segue. Uh, you gave me a segue talking about this kind of like, you know, people starting to return to normal, feeling good about returning to normal. One of the things like, you know, let, let's just say what it was is, is um, COVID was a, a bit of a kick that's really ignited remote work. It, it's yeah. pushed it along a lot faster than it was coming along. Um, people, you know, both employers and employees got a taste of it uh, over over the last year. And a lot of people are very positive about it from the employee end. People are realizing, like, I don't have to live in the city or even right outside a city. I could go somewhere two hours away, you know, in a much more spread out, much more rural area, lower cost of living and still keep my job. Um, employers are realizing like, Hey, we have a bigger t- pool of talent to, to pull from. Uh, and what I've noticed over the last couple of weeks is, is as the talk of returning to the office has started to pick back up, I'm also seeing a lot of chatter about companies saying, Hey, we're going to embrace remote work for those employees that want to do it. Yeah. Um, so really, I, I wanted to see, like, what have you been seeing? Have you been seeing something similar? And then for those companies that I, I've seen it in a couple different forums where companies are like, yep, we're open to remote work, kind of just like jumping into the pool with, with both feet. Um, and what should they, they expect? Um, because I think a, a lot of people was just kind of rushed into over the last year, but as now people really start to make this a permanent thing again, whether it's an, on an, you know, company by company basis, employee by employee basis, what do you think are some of the things that companies should expect, you know, if they haven't been dealing with a remote workforce previously? Man, so much time. Back. I know. <laughs> where, where do we even start? Uh, so, I mean, at a high level, I guess what we're seeing is, um, COVID has accelerated a timeline that was already in play. So we, we were already kind of seeing a shift to this. Uh, I think the fact that so many companies and almost a hundred percent of companies in the knowledge space, um, were forced into remote work, whether they wanted to or not. And so that's, that's kind of helped accelerate that, that timeline. 
with that said, I still think we're seeing companies that are a hundred percent adamant that um, we're, we're going full-time back to the office as soon as it's, it's feasible. Uh, so even though that this has kind of given them a chance to um, sandbox this a little bit and see what it's going to look like, they have no intentions of, of keeping it uh, going forward. Uh, I, I do want to put an asterisk on it because uh, while this is the future, this is going to happen whether people want it to or not, whether companies want it to or not, this is going to happen. But I, I do realize that there's a, a large contingent of people that don't want this. And, and I understand that both from a a company side, they don't want it. They want the control of having everybody in one location in the office. And there's a large contingent of people that don't want it. You know, I have friends that um, the remote work thing scares them. They don't want to be a remote worker. They crave that time in the office and, and the way it was. And then I understand that. And so I think it's important that we're we're sensitive to that as, as well. But with that said, we're, we're not going to stop this momentum. It is going to happen whether people or businesses want, want it to or, or not. But we will. We'll continue to see outliers of, of companies that are going to fight uh, against this happening. In fact, I was having a conversation this morning. I don't know if you caught it on Twitter where we were talking about, about remote work. Um, is that what kind of led you to today's topic? I was thinking about it already, and then okay. I saw a couple things you posted on Twitter. Twitter, I'm like, he's in the perfect mood to talk I'm about in, it. I'm so in the zone. I'm in the zone. You, you confirmed my my hunch to have this as our topic today. Well, everything <laughs> kind of lined up. Um, so in Utah, we have this rural initiative that Utah State University is is pushing, and the idea is that um, just as in the past we saw kind of a, a mass exodus from from cities, um, you know, I think in, in kind of closer to your area in Detroit and others where we saw. A mass exodus. We're we're seeing that in in rural communities right now, where they're just losing their 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 kids. Like their kids graduate from high school and then they leave and then they never come back. Um, and they're leaving for bigger bigger cities, and that may be for opportunities, that may be lifestyle related, but they know they're they're leaving. And um, what what this Utah Rural Initiative is looking to do is to um, maybe recapture some of that those those kids that moved out and moved back home. But I think their their effort or what their aim is is a little bit bigger, and that they're trying to attract remote workers to live in more rural uh, environments. And um, I kind of started thinking about it because I while I think their their um, their vision is right, their execution is a little bit misguided. And they, they put out a, a post this morning and they were kind of talking about the small town in Utah and they were talking about how they're going to attract people. And it almost felt like an episode of Parks and Rec. You know, it's like they had this shot of this elementary school where they've made it into some like co-working desks and, and oh, you have access to this, you know, elementary cafeteria and, 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 and they have, oh, and we have like a little library. It's like, this is cute guys, but this isn't going to attract someone moving from LA to live in your city. Uh, you know, and that's what started the conversation around, um, around remote work. And it was interesting to see people's responses. Um, and one of the big ones was, you know, I grew up in a small town. I moved to a larger city. Um, had I had the opportunity to stay, I would have stayed, but now that I left, I'm not going back. Um, which was was interesting in and of itself, um, but you know we we need to figure out what what this is going to look like. Um, ultimately, businesses need to be on board, but how much power do employees have, or or employees going to take? Because a lot of the feedback I got on Twitter this morning was. I would love to move to a small town. I would love to move here. I would love to go to the beach. I would love to be a nomad, but my company won't allow me to do that. And I think at some point in time, specifically with knowledge workers that are very experienced in their space, they're not going to give up uh, companies the opportunity to tell them that. They're going to say, this is what I'm doing. Are you on board? If not, I'm going to go work for someone that is. And, and companies are, are, are going to be forced to adopt it, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Like my wife and I right now, we're working on like a three-year plan to, to, to move you know, to, 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 I don't want to say rural because in this, in this particular area that, that gives off, you know, images of, of Amish country, uh, right, right. not necessarily there, but move a bit further away from the city, move maybe an hour away from the city. We're 20 minutes away now. So maybe move an hour further out, yeah. um, whether that's into South Jersey, um, or, 
or or out towards like Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, something something like that. You know, we're not ready to do it at the moment, but we're kind of working on that where we'll have the flexibility to do that. Just because like it was funny, I was having this conversation the other day with with someone um, I, I, I grew up with and we were talking about how like this area. You know where, where I'm at. You know, outside of the city was your your typical suburbs, much more spread out. It, it's become over the last 15 years incredibly densely populated. Yeah, like it's 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 a subset of the city at this point. You know, it's not Philadelphia. You know, it's not you know Philadelphia proper. It, it's, I mean, it's right it might outside. Well be. But it, it is. It's it's yeah. congested like that. Yeah. Um, sometimes it takes us 30 minutes just to kind of get outside of the area to like the, the major highways to mm -hmm. like going to see some of my siblings. It's about 45, 50 minutes. And 25 of that is six miles to get to the highway. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, then, then taking it from there. And so I, I mean, like I, I, I mean, I completely, you know, empathize with those people that are looking to say like, I lived in the city or right outside the city for, for this job. And I've kind of gotten a taste of not having to go into the city and even have seen others moving out yeah. uh, of, of these congested areas. And I want a piece because I'm the same way. Like I, I would eventually like to, to get to that point. Yeah. And it, it's actually a really good conversation. So two things to follow up on that one, I think it speaks to the importance of, of infrastructure from a travel standpoint, from a ability to move around standpoint. So if I truly have freedom and autonomy to work anywhere, um, how important is that? to have that autonomy and my ability to, to move and travel. And, and again, as I was talking about it this morning on Twitter, um, that came up a lot, you know, proximity to a freeway, uh, proximity to a major airport, um, you know, high, access to high speed travel was, was critically important on the list. And, you know, much like you, I think about it, I'm, I'm a stone throws away from, from Salt Lake city. Um, right now I can be in Salt Lake city in a blink of an eye last year at this time, um, it would have taken me 15 to 20 minutes to go from my house to the freeway. And then boom, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in Salt Lake. Um, the state has done a lot from an investment standpoint in fixing the highway that I, is a connector, fixing the on-ramps. And, and, and it's not fair because maybe with travel volumes with COVID are down. But right now, I just breeze through there in you know, eight minutes, five, 10 minutes, and I'm, and I'm through. Um, and it's so much quicker, but man, last year, it's like, it took me longer to get on the freeway than to go from my, for them, from the freeway to Salt Lake. And, and that yeah. was frustrating. Um, no, I'm experiencing the same thing here. And it's so, funny, like when I think back to, even when I was in my early twenties, um, and I had been driving for a couple of years, being able to get around this area was so much easier. It is certain times of the day, certain times of the week. You, you know, there's just certain roads you avoid because they're just a parking lot. Yeah. So, so let's kind of talk about that in your situation and your long-term plan. Um, you know, what are you thinking about as far as what's important to you and what, what types of things are you thinking about? And, and honestly, this, this conversation on Twitter has brought me to why this has been so um, anxiety provoking to me and stressful to me is that we really can go anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and when we had John here, he literally did, he went yeah. everywhere. Um, you know, we were, we're maybe a bit more settled down with kids in school and that maybe may dictate things, but in reality, we're not locked in. Like we can go anywhere. And for me, that's been stressful because it's like, well, like we could go anywhere. Like, where do we actually pick? So what things are you thinking about and evaluating? And, you know, is, is, ease of travel important to you right now. I think you're fairly close to the airport in Philly. Um, you're, you know, may, maybe the congestion's there, but you can get into downtown Philly fast and you can get to other areas. Is proximity to travel something that's important? Are you looking, you know, you mentioned kind of urban sprawl. Are you looking to be more disconnected? What does that mean for your internet um, access and broadband availability? You know, what kind of things are you guys thinking about as what makes your ideal spot? Yeah. I mean, there is, there, there's, there's so much to that. So I want to kind of organize my, my thoughts. So if I miss something, definitely pull me back to it. Cause you bring up a couple of really good points. So let's, let's start talking about just uh, proximity to the city. I honestly have no need to go into the city. Like, I mean, I'm not a city person to begin with. Like I'm not one of those people that craves going into the city for certain things. That's just not me. So I don't necessarily need to be close and ease of access to get into the city, nor do I 
have like a spot I have to go into for work. So that's not necessarily it. The airport, yes. Now, fortunately, you know, before COVID, like I haven't traveled for business in over a year at this point. Um, but um, even when I was traveling, travel, business travel was infrequent. Maybe, maybe two, two trips every quarter or something like that. Like not, nothing, nothing like I was, you know, home a week, away a week, home a week, away a week, nothing like that, where I was constantly back and forth from the airport. So don't want to move like three hours away from the airport. Cause then that just makes to travel to and from like that much bit more. But that being said, you know, like since I don't travel as frequently being an hour, hour and a half away from the airport is actually not, not a deal breaker. So just being, just having some kind of reasonable access. So like one of those things, like um, we have a couple of clients in Boston and one one of the things I would do is like fly up on a Tuesday morning, catch like an 8am flight up and then stay till Thursday and take a, an 8pm flight back. So have dinner with them and then head to the airport, you know, 8pm I'm landing around eight. I'm, I'm home around eight thirty, quarter and nine by the time I get off the plane, get my stuff and, you know, catch a, catch an Uber home. I was so close. I could just Uber back and forth. I didn't have to worry about even parking. Yeah. Um, if I were to move, say three hours away, then that flight then becomes, okay, I get in around eight. I'm not getting home until midnight and right. I'm going to have to park a car. And those are things that I've taken into consideration, but one of the things with this area, there are small, that, that's Philadelphia International. There are smaller regional airports. Yeah. I think there's one in Allentown. Uh, there's definitely one in Atlantic City. Uh, and some of those, you can get flights to other areas like a Boston, like a Chicago, right. something right. like that. So that or even Vegas. Yeah. And so that may be something you're willing to give up a little bit is maybe your number of direct flights isn't as good, but you're like, you know what? I'll do some connecting flights. It's worth the exchange. Yeah. Like say we moved to say South Jersey instead of traveling into Philadelphia, you know, go to, go to Atlantic city and it's a small little regional airport. So, I mean, there, I I think it was two years ago, my brother and sister-in-law went out and flew out of, I think it was Allentown and flew to Las Vegas with a connecting flight in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So like you, we have those options. So proximity really just so it's not, you know, when I do have to travel, it's like an excessive, like, an additional three hours added on to traveling to the airport. Um, now, um, what do we really want? We, we definitely want some space. Yeah. Like we, the, the, the house we're in right now is it's, it's a row home. We have a small little spot. Like we've got a nice little front yard, a nice little backyard. But as, as our son gets older, we definitely want some more space that he can go out and play. You know, I'd love to have, you know, a bigger backyard you know, an organized backyard where there's not like a shared alley coming through where we can say, Hey, go out and play that, that kind of thing. Um, we definitely want some space and and honestly where we're at right now, you're not finding any kind of property like that Mm. under $500,000 easy, especially right now with the, the housing market, the way it is, you're looking maybe even $600,000 in this particular area. You can get more space like that about 45 minutes to an hour away from here. Uh, you can maybe, you may be, well, the market's kind of hot right now. So you may be paying three to 400, but taxes are lower. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the township and school taxes are significantly lower, um, than, than where they are here and you're gonna get the space. And yeah, it's, you don't have the, the urban sprawl. Um, and then as far as connectivity goes, like out where like my sister and brother-in-law live and not too far away from them is my brother and sister-in-law. Like, you know, as far as internet connection goes, it's not like it's out in the, the sticks where, you know, you're, you've got, you know, some kind of slow, slower broadband. Right. They, they have just fine internet connection. So I'm not yeah. necessarily worried about that. And, and, and to that point, I think with Elon's effort with Starlink, I think that probably addresses for lots of people that, that fear of having, I mean, it's not going to be gig fiber, um, mm-hmm. but it's also not going to be DSL. So, yeah. um, you know, you've got, you've got something there to, to, yeah. to tie on to. And, and honestly, I, I, um, you know, in this, this may be a romanticized view. I'm not going to lie about it, but like the idea of moving to like a, a small town, you know, where, where the pace of life is slower. Yeah. You know, I talked to a lot of people, like it was funny. So a friend, you know, when I was sitting out front yesterday working, um, a buddy of mine, his parents live in this neighborhood too. And 
his mom was walking by and we were starting to talk for a bit. They have like a, a small little place down at the Jersey shore outside of Wildwood, New Jersey in a little campground. And they've been spending time down there. Now what they do is, is they spend a lot of their time in the off season, and then come home when it gets really hot and gets really crowded. Yeah, they come yeah. home and they'll spend more of their time here. And she was even saying like you, there's a total difference in pace of life down there versus here. Yeah. You know, like there, yeah. there's something here, like there's just this, this very hectic pace of life. You know, you're constantly rushing from one thing to the next. You're fighting traffic. Like if anything, like th- I've been saying it for a little while now, this isn't necessarily suburban or at least what people picture as your typical suburban environment. It's like just a step below the city. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I that's on my dream board as well. Is I I would love to have a place at the beach that I can spend uh, in the off season because my favorite time to be in California at the beach is when it's winter here mm-hmm. and and everyone else is like it's too cold. You know, all the Californians are like it's too cold. It's not the trendy time to go. I'm like that's my time to be there. Then I'll come back to Utah when it's too hot and uh, there's too many tourists. Then I can come back to, to Utah and spend some time in the mountains. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, now, one, one thing real quick before you move on, um, you know, you did make me think of one other thing. And the other thing that we're looking at, like one of the things my wife and I've been talking about for a little while is, is she's a teacher. And when the school year wraps up, she has the option to take a leave of absence until our son is five. And we're, we're seriously looking into that, making sure the budget can fit that because we want to do that. Like we want to go, like if summer rentals at the shore drop drastically in September, September is still gorgeous. It's still warm. It's still sunny. The weather's still nice. A lot of things are still open at this point. A lot of things are staying open year round um, where 30 years ago, the, the town's completely shut down yeah. come, come the off season. You know, we're talking about, you know, a couple of days after Labor Day, getting a rental for, for two weeks in September and doing that for a couple of years before he has to go off to school. And I mean, that's part of the flexibility is, is, you know, I could take my work with me. We can go get a summer rental for three weeks. Whereas in the summer, that money would only get us one week. And, you know, we were, we were sitting outside the other day talking about it and it was just like, yeah, imagine like, okay, I'm not taking off every day of those three weeks, but we get up early in the morning. We go for a bike ride along the beach, along on the boardwalk, come home, you I mean, could take him to do something. I get I get some work done, and then I schedule my days. I wrap up around three, and we yeah. go down to the beach for a couple of hours. We take them up to the boardwalk and put them on some rides, and we have dinner or something like that. I mean, imagine being able to do that. Like this is the the, the flexibility remote work gives an employee, and you can't tell me that that doesn't help with um, just quality of life and quality of work. You gave me my segue. Um, so I, I have two topics that uh, I want to segue into and, and one and, and and help me remind it to circle back to, you know, what are cities doing to help support um, remote work? Um, but but to your point, I, I, I agree. That's the beauty of, of remote work, but it takes the support of the company for that to happen. Right. So um, we we have a pretty open policy. If you want to take time off, you take time off. If you want to, you know, work at 10 and take off the afternoon and then do some work, like we don't dictate that. Um, we give you the freedom and autonomy to, to design your own day. And and hopefully, um, I'm hopeful our employees are taking advantage of that. However, that isn't always the case. So even though your employees are remote, we've seen lots of companies say, yeah, we're open to remote. We're not so open to the autonomy piece of the remote. And so they're dictating like, look, you have to be in front of your computer between eight and five. You know, we have little tattlers we're going to put on your laptop. They're going to tell us if you're there or not. We're going to monitor your traffic. And if you're surfing social media during the day or watching YouTube, that's a no-no, right? So I, I think it's important that we, we have that discussion that remote isn't just remote. And I think a lot of people um, have kind of had their first taste of remote and it hasn't been what we would consider remote. And, and while early in the pandemic, companies had no idea, they were just like, let's figure it out. As it's dragged on over a year at this point, they've started to put processes and things in place to try to change the home office to be more like the, or try to change the remote office to be more like the home office, or vice the home office, not being the home home, the corporate office. Sorry, geez, need to be a bit more clear on how I'm speaking there. So, um, 
I, I think that's an important discussion to have that it's one thing to be remote. It's a whole other thing to be remote and have autonomy to take advantage of that remoteness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and honestly, and, and that's one of the things I want to talk about today with the, the topic around like, what can companies expect, you know, as employees are demanding remote, you know, being able to work remote as well as companies just, just diving right into it is you bring up a great point of the one of the things that's going to come with it is, is employees are going to want autonomy. Um, they they yeah. don't want the rigid structure of the office. They want to be able to dictate when they can, when they're going to work. And, and it, it, it a lot of that requires trust. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to say, well, just get your shit done and we're all good. It's another thing when, you know, it actually comes time to, to allow that policy to take effect. hundred percent. And, and we had this conversation early on. I can't remember. Was Time Doctor? Um, we, yeah. we talked with a, a, a company that was kind of helping develop tools for this. And I, I mean, I think tools to make remote work better, to provide connectedness, to make sure that we can communicate and collaborate. I think all that is fantastic. What, what I'm concerned about is companies using tools and technology to um to babysit, to micromanage their, their employees, because I think you're, you're hundred percent right. And then I mentioned it earlier on the podcast today that, um, for especially your high performers, especially for your more expert employees, this is not going to fly. They are craving that autonomy and the autonomy that they've gotten, gotten a taste of during COVID work from home, uh, is not going to go away and they're going to crave it. And very shortly they're going to demand it. And so if you're not able to come through as a company for that, then you're going to lose those employees guaranteed. And they're going to find a company that does have trust and is going to give them them that autonomy. Um, I know it's something that we thought really critically about when starting 33 sticks and just everything we've seen over the pandemic has confirmed those, those choices that big time employees, employees that are really impacting your business autonomy is one of the biggest things that they crave and they're, they're, they're going to demand it. Be ready. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if they may not have directly gotten a taste from it, they're going to start knowing people that have for sure. Yeah, for sure. So it's, you know, it's, it's coming and companies need to, to be prepared. Uh, there's not a lot of leadership in the space. And, and, and again, my concern is that existing leadership is going to say, well, let's just try to let's support remote but let's try to run it as much as if they were in the office um, from working from home. And I just don't think it's going to work. Uh, it's going to take a fundamental shift in how management is done and how companies are structured. Um, and honestly, in the trust that they have in their employees to allow them to have the autonomy to, to do their job. So it'll be a, it'll be an interesting few years. My, my concern, um, and I'm going to pivot into the city discussion is that um, rather than having trust, we're going to have a lot more policies. So I think these, especially big companies, are going to have a lot more policies specifically structured for how you can work from home. Uh, I, I think right now they haven't had the time to think through that. So they've just said, we have to just let them do what they're going to do. But now that they have, have had time to think through it and they've got you know their management consultants in there and they've sat around their boardroom tables, they're going to come up with a pretty beefy employee handbook just for work from home that's going to dictate how you how you're going to work from home, and I think that that's going to ruin a lot of work from home experiences. And we're going to see a little bit of a backlash with work from home, where people are going to say this is horrible, work from home sucks. But it's going to be unfair because what they're saying is that the way my company is managing it sucks, which absolutely is going to happen. Um, and so we need, you know, as as those of us supporting work from home, as we're trying to attract employees. We're going to have to be ready to talk to that as well and say, look, I know you've been screwed over in the past. That's not the experience that, that you know, we offer. Um, so in, in, in addition to that, um, you and I talked about this yesterday. Your, your township is asking us to get a business license there because you're working from home. And, and it's basically they're saying, well, this is a storefront. You have an employee working here, so you need a business license to have an employee here, um, which to me was just crazy. 
Um, but I, I have to imagine that cities um, and states are also thinking about it as we have a much more mobile workforce. What does that mean? And and I and unfortunately, I think rather than thinking creatively about it and thinking about how we can make this a really valuable experience for local governments, um, employers and employees, we're going to see what government does best. And that's that they're going to pass a lot of legislation and bills and we're going to have a lot more rules um, attached to companies for how they can operate remotely. Um, and I, I just don't think that that's a good thing in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's going to muck things up and it's just going to make it harder for employees to work remote. It's going to it's going to add more paperwork for companies yep. and they're going to just turn around. You know, if, if it gets too burdensome, they're just going to turn around and say, F it, everyone's coming back to the office. I think they're going to say everyone's coming back to the office. I think we're also going to see companies, unfortunately, are going to look at people and say, where do you plan on working? And if they're in a known city that is difficult to work with, unfortunately, I think they're going to probably start mm-hmm. not hiring out of that city. Um, but also on the flip side, I think we're going to see com- uh, cities use this as an opportunity. So we talked about rural um, communities looking to attract workers. This may be their opportunity. You know, this this could be a great marketing effort to say, look, I know, you know, these other cities make it horrible for employers and make it not so great for employees. Here's what we're doing to help you cut through all that nonsense. And I and I definitely can see it as a way for for rural communities to go after employers and say, we're an ideal place for your remote workforce to settle and going after employees and saying, hey, we're setting up infrastructure and a great place for you to be with other like minded individuals. Um, I think a lot of bit a lot about Chiang Mai. Um, the village in Thailand where John worked from quite a bit, it is often held up as the best example of how a, a city can build a remote friendly environment. And it just attracts so many remote workers because they, I don't know exactly what they've done. They've done something right. Um, and I think that that's a real opportunity for cities here in the United States to, to get on board and say, we're not going to be the heavy handed government regulatory. In fact, we're going to think how we can make this a great experience. And I think there's going to be a few, not a lot, but I think there'll be a few outliers of little towns here and there on the map that are going to really spring up as, as kind of um, darlings in this, this space that are going to attract a fairly sizable remote workforce. Mm-hmm. So other than like financial incentives or, you know, a better way to put it, um, not putting up the policy and financial barriers to, to attracting you know, remote workers, what can like those smaller towns, those rural areas do to, to help attract those people that do want the slower pace of life, want to get away from the city and the surrounding suburbs of the city? What do you think they could do to really tr- attract the, those kind of people? Man, I think it's a bit of a catch 22 um, because, and, and this may not be true, but I get the, I get the feeling that the people moving from the bigger cities want their cake. They want to have, what is it? Want to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. Um, in that they want out of the cities. Um, they want a slower pace of life. They want kind of things different, but they also still want diversity. They also want good food. They also want access to entertainment. Um, and so it's a bit of a catch 22 and that um, they still want some of those things that a bigger city provides. So I think one of the things I, once, once you check off the infrastructure list, uh, you know, you, you definitely need the infrastructure for easy travel and, and easy access to high, high speed broadband. Well, once you have that checked off the list, I think cities really need to think about what makes it attractive and, and kind of going back to talking about what's happening here in Utah with the rural, the Utah rural initiative is that it's much more than just work. And, and unfortunately these small towns, um, just don't quite understand that. And so they're thinking about, well, what if we put in a co-working location? What if we, you know, have free pizza on Wednesdays? What if we bring in some guest speakers to, you know, help with people that want to build businesses? I mean, that's all fine, but people that are relocating are relocating an entire life site, lifestyle. And so just focusing on the work aspect isn't enough. You have to think about like, are our local schools up to speed? Because if you know, you're moving a family, you're going to check out the local schools. And if it's not good, then it doesn't matter how cool your co-working location is. 
Um, mm-hmm. They're, they're going to want to look at recreational opportunities. They're going to want to look at access to, you know, if I go to the grocery stores, they're going to be a decent selection of food there. Um, you, you know, so people are going to look at their entire lifestyle in determining where they want to live. And unfortunately, right now, these small rural communities are saying, well, we have high speed, we have gig, we have co-working locations, come work here. It's like, but you're only, you're only addressing a part of the bigger picture of what people think about when they think about where I'm, where I'm going to relocate. Mm-hmm. I would love to help. I reached out to uh, the one here in Utah. I reached out to them and said, guys, like, this is awesome. But let me tell you what people are really thinking about. Cause I've done mm-hmm. this for over a decade and they came back with, Oh, you're pro remote. I'm like, yeah, yeah, great. Um, we need, we need workers here. So can you send us a list of openings your company has that you can hire for here? I'm like, dude, you missed the entire point of what I was trying to tell you. Like, let me help you, you know, figure out why you're you're doing this all wrong. It's not about it's not about employers posting job openings in your city so your residents can get a job. It's about making your city attractive and more viable for for remote workers. And mm-hmm. and again, I just don't think a lot of these small towns have the resources or frankly the expertise to be able to have those conversations. Um, but they're, yeah, they'll it- need to figure it out. Yeah. And it's going to be a learning experience, but yeah, I think this is the first time. And I know my lifetime where you have these small rural communities able to fight for, you know, fight for, for, for citizens and not necessarily have to worry, you know, aside from like the infrastructure and stuff like that, but not have to worry about bringing the companies in, you know, they, they, they can just fight for the citizens. You know, they can be attract, you know, find a way to be attractive for them. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where you start. And if I were, if a city was to hire me to come in um, and and give them some, some advice, I'll just give them some free advice right now. I think it's a three pronged effort. Um, Number one, they should start with um, keeping their existing residents Uh, right now. uh, As, as kids graduate high school, they're fleeing these cities. Um, They're going to bigger cities again, whether it's for job opportunities, whether it's for education, whether it's for, just more diversity and experiences they're they're leaving these cities so number one they need to think about first and foremost Uh, okay (laughs) um need to think about how they can um, retain their existing residents that's number one if they're not doing that you know nothing else is really going to matter number two is how can we now become attractive to um bringing in new residents you know maybe maybe people leaving california or philly or boston or new york how can we be attractive to those people and make it so that we are a destination that's on a map for them to consider moving to to our city and if they do that i think it opens up a rebirth of industry um, a lot of these cities, and I'm, I'm only speaking from a utah perspective because it's what i know best they're they were built on blue collar and the, the industries are gone now, whether it's manufacturing, it's oil, it's it's mining. Um, there just isn't a desire for that now. And unfortunately, a lot of the leadership in these cities are trying to recreate that. How do we return blue collar jobs? And it's not going to happen. You can fight that all you want. You can pass all the legislation you want. You can artificially create it and prop it up. But in the long term, we have to be focused on knowledge work. Because knowledge work is what is going to create all the other jobs around it. And there's some fascinating research in this area that by adding knowledge jobs, you create a lot of additional jobs because knowledge workers need everything. They need healthcare, they need haircuts, they need food, they need entertainment, they need, you know, all of these, all of these other industries that can spring up around it. So I think if you take care of your local residents, you keep them from leaving home, you, you attract new residents because there's something attractive to you for people that are leaving LA. Um, and then three, if you do those two things, you start to now attract not only side satellite businesses that are there to support those knowledge workers, but you now, I think, start to bring in some hubs and replace industry. So an Oracle or a Adobe or a Microsoft or a fill in the blank isn't going to move their headquarters to your town, but they might move a satellite office if you create a big enough um, kind of group and, and, and gravity around it. So that's my free advice. I don't know if there's any small town planners or mayors or whatever that listen to our podcast, but if they are, that's what I would do. If you do those three things, I think that's the right, that's the winning strategy. And the one thing I would add to it is, you know, the, the fourth piece would be 
while you're researching what people would want to make, you know, what would make the town attractive. Also look into why people are leaving the areas that they're leaving in. Yeah. They're leaving from whether it's burdensome, burdensome taxes, whether it is, um, you know, burdensome regulations within the area. You, you, we go back to what you mentioned about, you know, my local township, I've been working for you for six years and now they reach out to you about the business license, right? Like, you know, burdensome procedures and regulations, um, congestion, all of those things that why people are looking to leave those areas make sure you don't intentionally or unintentionally create them. That's right. That's right. And I, and I, and again, I think that it's going to be a challenge. It's something that they're going to have to be deliberate about thinking because it's this, again, want their cake and eat it too scenario where people do want something new, but they also want a lot of those things that they're fleeing. So how do you create any, a balance without recreating a lot of the things that they're trying to move away from? Yeah. So lots of interesting times ahead you know yeah um and it, it's going to be fun to see how this plays out i'm i'm glad that we were such early early adopters of remote um i'm hoping the lessons we've learned we'll be able to share and help um, others whether it's townships or people or businesses i think we have a lot to to offer in that in that space um and you know one of the biggest takeaways for for business owners or businesses or people in executive functions listening to our podcast um I, again, I, I know that there's a desire to be back in the office. I don't think we're we're not necessarily dictating or mandating that everyone should be fully remote. There's going to be some flexibility to it. But the biggest takeaway is whether you want it to or not, There there's going to be a massive fundamental change in, in office work. And mm-hmm. that may you may not want the fully remote lifestyle. You may not want to be a nomad, and that's completely fine. And you may still spend the bulk of your time in, in the office, but companies and individuals need to be prepared that this is it. This is happening, whether they want it to or not. We're not going to stop this momentum. Um, it's just it's just going too strong right now. And if nothing else, there's a big enough contingent of people that want the freedom and autonomy that comes with remote work that they're going to demand this happens, whether big business wants it to or not. Yeah. Um, and I think it was last summer when... We, we were talking about remote work and what a return to the office would be like. And I, I remember talking about how I said, like, this is the perfect opportunity for companies to reimagine the office space. Yes. Instead of a giant cube farm, you know, you have those employees that want to be 100% remote. You have those employees that want to be 100% in the office. And then you have those employees that want a level of flexibility. Yep. I'm coming in three days this week to work with these people on these particular things. And then I'm not going to be back in the office for two weeks or, yep. or something like that. You have this mix of employees. So instead of keeping that cube farm, you have the opportunity to, you know, for those that are coming all the time, they have their, their workspace, they have their cube, but those that are coming and going, you turn a lot of that space into just like workshops, you know, workshop yep. space. You know, I'm coming in today to, I really want to, um, work with these people on designing the solution to this problem. We just need, we, we need space to be able to work, you know, um, workshop it and put it together and then we're done. We don't need that permanent space. Someone else will use it tomorrow. Yeah. So I think that's the other thing businesses could take advantage of is, is let's reimagine the office space so we can support all of those different types of workers. Fully agree. And it's something I hope happens as well. And I think if a, a few companies coming out of COVID will, will do that. Um, so we're seeing companies that are downsizing space right now. Um, they're subleasing, they're kind of getting rid of space. I would love, love to see companies say, we're going to change the paradigm here. We're, we're going to get rid of the Q farm. We're going to make our location a maker space. It's a place for mm-hmm. creativity and collaboration. And we're going to give you the tools and the environment to get that done. Imagine how amazing that would be. And going in and going into a maker studio rather than going in and sitting in a draft cube. Yeah. And and that gives employees that want to be remote 100% of the time or a majority of the time to have that, that have that desire to come into the office at least every once in a while. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. Like, you know, say I'm, I'm a, re- a remote employee. You know, I'm 100% remote, but yeah, I really want to come in and work with these people in, in person. I'll make the two hour drive back and forth because the office is going to be able to help with that. They you know, provide right. that creative space. Yeah, absolutely. So I I know we're going to see some companies do that. And it's going to be really cool to see what they come up with. 
So. Yeah. But to, to your point, it's going to be an interesting couple of years and yeah, yeah it, it's going to be a lot of fun and to see. And I mean, we get questions all the time, every now and then, like I, I rem, you know, we get questions from, from clients, from others, like, how do you guys do it? And I remember last year when a lot, you know, all of our clients went remote, you know, you yeah. and I were fielding questions like, how do you do this? And yeah. how do you yeah. make it work with, you know, the family at home and, you know, and I remember I tell everyone the first thing to do is you don't make the kitchen or the living room your office. Yeah. It's so appealing to make a cup of coffee and sit at the kitchen table and start working there. But do you actually get anything done? Have like your your specific workspace. Yeah. For and sure. that's just the start. We can keep going on and on and on. There's this, I mean, this hour flew by. There's so much, so much to talk about in this space. And we do. We revisit it every couple of weeks and it's there, there's a good reason for it because you're starting to see it and you're seeing more and more of it happen. And right now I, I have images of four years ago when uh, I was working from Disneyland, I was getting work done. I was yeah, taking client yeah. calls uh, from, you know, the, the, the steps right outside of Disneyland. And I, I'll never forget that. Yeah. That was awesome. Everybody should experience that. Every, everybody should experience that. You know, everybody should, you know, last summer you and I and Hila took a call while I was on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, I was on the beach and I called into, you know, our, one of our weekly calls and we were still productive. We still got our oh, stuff yeah. done. Yeah. Um, everybody should, should experience that because it's, it, it's quality of life. It, yeah. it, and for me, the re, one of the reasons I have that kind of desire is, is to get out of the rat race. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something that we set out from the beginning to create. And I'm glad we, we did some of my favorite memories are taking calls and meetings from a rooftop deck in San Diego with a noisy air conditioner. We recorded <laughs> you know, a couple like, episodes from we, there. We did. We did. I mean, I, look, I know, I know people crave the office. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that's great. But I think once you get a taste of this freedom of an autonomy and just experience life and not have that as a shackle to what you want to do, it's so hard to go back. I, we're not going back. So mm -hmm. cool. Well, yeah, yeah, this hour flew by. It did. Um, it was a good chat. Of course, you know, we'll be talking about it again, but uh, this is definitely a space to keep an eye on uh, because for a lot of companies, there's going to be lessons, lessons learned. Yeah, for sure. And reach out and chat with us. We like talking about it. Lots yeah. Of I mean, you know what? Share. I'm going to throw it out there. You know, anybody who is, is new to remote work and has questions, anybody who is looking to talk to their employer about staying remote as the company is, you know, starting to put the return to office plans together. Anybody who runs a company that mm -hmm. is looking to make remote a permanent part of their business, reach out to us, come join us. You know, we would yeah. be more than happy to, to come on and, you know, answer some questions that, that, that you may have. For sure. All right. This is a good chat. Like a lot Very of good, good info chat. In here, so. Yep. So we'll go ahead and wrap up for now and catch everybody later. All right. See you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.